0: Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast,
1: focused on the fringe of Canada.
0: Hello listeners, as someone who spends the majority of their time researching and discussing mysteries and unusual events, it's pretty rare that I get to follow a case from start up to something resembling a conclusion. Although there certainly isn't a definitive conclusion or obvious answer revealed in tonight's episode, this is going to get us a lot closer than I normally do. Listeners will recall a series of episodes I released covering the 2019 disappearance of a then 27-year-old musician from Hamilton, Ontario, named Holly Ellsworth-Clark. During that series, we heard how Holly, who was facing some kind of mental distress, left the apartment she had been living in and seemingly vanished leaving only a trail made up of CCTV footage showing her walking in the rain both carrying and wearing garbage bags. In the first episode of the series, we heard from Holly's dad, Dave Clark, who told us about Holly's life and the circumstances that led up to her disappearance. In the second episode, Holly's employer and leader of the search team, L. McPherson, shared the many twists and turns that formed the search for Holly. And then, in part three, my pal Tyler Hooper and I discussed the shocking similarities between Holly's disappearance and that of Emma Phillipoff. And then, in the most recent episode, part four, which was recorded in September of 2020, we again met with Holly's dad, Dave, who shared the update no one wanted to hear. Holly Clark had been found deceased in a body of water not far from where she was last seen. And tonight... We're going to continue the narrative from there. At the time we last spoke about Holly, we knew how and where she ended up, but we knew little more than that. But a lot has happened in the last eight months since Holly's remains were found, and that's what we're about to discuss. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, we're again going to be joined by Elle McPherson, the woman who led the Holly Clark search team. And she's going to tell us all about what they've been able to learn about the circumstances that surround the death of Holly Clark. Elle McPherson, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. It's been, I think, a... Uh almost a year since we last talked although it's it's been a a bizarre year there's easily the strangest year of my life we we last talked in september of 2020
1: correct yeah um
0: and a lot's happened since then just to just start though i have to ask are you doing all right in the pandemic you're surviving this
1: yeah, you know, I think everybody on my end is doing the best that they can with with what they have. So, we're all taking our mental health into consideration and making mm-hmm. sure that we're being kind to one another. And we seem to be faring pretty okay so far.
0: Yeah, and it's it's strange. Like since I've met you, is right around when the pandemic started. Because I, I remember so much of. Our prior discussions about the search for Holly were being all that was kind of being derailed by the pandemic, restricting travel. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of strange how this is all exists. Like this, Holly's the story of Holly's disappearance and search is largely existing in this bizarre world we're stuck in right now.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it's tough to have a missing person, never mind to do it through a pandemic and. Mm-hmm and request assistance from the public in a situation that's so unknown to everybody. It's it was uh quite quite the the uh quite the year trying the to challenges. get all of these people involved. So yeah. yeah,
0: but it's um you've been successful with that because Holly's the community that surrounds the search for Holly and celebrating her life. Like even now she's it's been again almost I guess nine ten months since she's been found there I, I still constantly see references to Holly mentions of Holly people sharing her music the <laughs> Facebook group is still active it's um it's all still happening uh, uh, first thing I want to ask you about now is like w- with the time that's passed we have a, a good opportunity to kind of look back at kind of the, the the whole story as it as it played out and it's it's kind of a rare experience to to see a a missing person's case have a resolution the way it has but now again a year later it's this kind of our talk today will give people an an update that i think would is pretty unique in these kinds of stories and these cases i want to ask first of all is with with holly being found in you know confirmation of, of her death i, w- I want to first ask about how her family memorialized her afterwards was it the sort of thing was it like just like a typical funeral that would have or celebration of life that would have happened uh, and the reason I asked this is because when when I spoke to Dave at, with you at one point he was pretty certain that her life had come to an end and he seemed to to some extent be accepting that I just wonder after she's found how a family deals with that
1: you know, we, we all went through the, the phases of, is she alive? Is she deceased? Is she alive? Is she deceased? You you go through it almost on a daily, if not hourly basis of of questioning it. And mm-hmm. I think it's one thing to say it prior to having the confirmation. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing to be hit with the reality. Um, so unfortunately, uh, Dave and Greta, uh, they they both found out uh, through a phone call um, and and hearing those. I, I didn't even need to say the words, and it was uh, it was known without me actually saying it. So I I think deep down you have an idea, but but again, until it's actually real, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that anybody really has an idea of how they would handle it. Quite frankly, it's, uh, every parent's nightmare. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's, it's just, they're handling it currently as best they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time it was certainly devastating mm-hmm. to, to everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as her celebration of life, we did two things, which was a little bit unorthodoxed, uh, because the public had helped us so much throughout throughout everything, we felt that the public needed to grieve with us and needed to grieve for Holly in order to to have closure or whatever closure that may, might look like for someone. So we put on a very public vigil in, uh, oh my gosh, end of September, early October mm. uh, in Hamilton. And we were... COVID compliant. We we got the city's approval to do this. We had to fill in a whole bunch of um, health and safety forms and, and, and. And we ended up having a beautiful, absolutely beautiful vigil for Holly. And we had a number of communi- community members come out and there was a butterfly release and a smoke ceremony and um, singers, uh, musicians. It was just stunning. And then we we all came back to Alberta and we had a private ish ceremony at uh, Dave and Greta's house Mm -hmm. with immediate family and friends. We kept it again within the COVID restrictions because uh, you were only allowed a certain number of people. And we did live stream that as well. So uh, family, friends, acquaintances, uh, anybody that felt that they needed to be a part of it could be a part of it. And then again, because COVID grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and attending simply wasn't an option with the restrictions in place. So uh, we did put that out there publicly. And again, we had two amazing musicians uh, play some music and we told some stories and, and uh, shared some of the good times with, with everybody um, about, about Holly. So yeah. it was it was perfect.
0: Yeah. And I remember some of our prior talks, it it seems like you being at one point, Holly's employer, you really became close with Dave and Greta after her, after Holly's disappearance. If my memory serves me right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had met. um, So Holly disappeared January 11th, 2020. And I had met Dave and Greta very briefly at a, a Christmas party in December. So we had only met like, passing hey how are you who are you nice to meet you cheers kind of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and then she disappeared and then the following week it became um, a very close group
0: Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. a lot of your your relationship with like with Holly's parents is in this world of Holly being missing and then Holly being found can can Mm -hmm. you talk a bit about how from your point of view how you saw their grief change from, you know, panicked missing daughter to grieving parents when the confirmation came, like how did that evolve from your perspective with her family?
1: Um, I would say it evolved quite organically. Um, again, throughout January until, until September, everybody had their moments where they had complete breakdowns and fits and rage and then happiness and memories. And, um, the cool thing, uh, I, I don't know if that's the right word, but the cool thing about the uh, the Ellsworth-Clark family is they really don't hold back. Mm-hmm. So what you see is what you get. They are who they say they are. And if somebody is having a bad day, they are having a bad day. And if they're having a great day, they're having a great day. So I think throughout the entire thing, everybody had the ability to... Grieve and wonder and question and handle this however they chose to, and I think there's beauty in that. Um, unfortunate beauty, but there's there's beauty in in not having to put on a face or to not have to behave the way someone thinks you should behave um, when that's really not how you're feeling at the time. So, yeah.
0: Yeah and here is something you had mentioned earlier is the idea of uh of closure um mm-hmm. in in Holly's case although we we'll get into that where we still there's still a lot of question about what may have happened and how it may have, may have happened but yep. the idea that a lot of people without the first hand experience of this kind of a tragedy happening a lot of our kind of ideas you know when someone is found and like like Holly had been deceased, that the family now has closure and they're able to heal. Yeah. In in your experience being there as this all played out, do you see that happening? Is is it the kind of thing where there is some kind of definitive like line that's crossed Mm -hmm. where like, okay, she's deceased, we can now, you know, change in some way?
1: So I again being in it is very very different. So prior to this you watch movies or documentaries or podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever you're watching. And you hear this conversation about closure, mm. but nobody really delves into it. What is the closure? What is it you're looking for? What, what makes you feel confident and comfortable in continuing forward? And I, I don't know, in my head, I always thought it was this magic moment where you're like, oh, okay, like you, you have this sigh, this great sigh of relief, and oh, you've got closure. And it is so far from yeah. that. It doesn't. It doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen overnight. It. It. Um, truthfully, personally, I don't know that it actually exists. Mm. Um, and especially in ambiguous situations such as this one, I don't know that closure is something that exists or if it's made up. I mean, maybe, maybe if we knew more about what had happened or if we had more details. Um, I mean, I can personally, I can relate it to uh, my mother passed away when I was 30 from pancreatic cancer. And the first thing I thought was she's not in any more pain, but it didn't make it easier. Mm -hmm. There was no closure. Again, it wasn't a magic wand where my mother um, where things changed. It, it did come over time. Uh, I mean, the cliche phrase is time heals everything. It, it just, I don't know that you, you actually get it. Mm -hmm. I really, really don't. There is a bit of a, a sense of ease or not relief. That's, that's not the right word, but a sense of we can stop looking. Mm-hmm. or we have her or we know where she is and there's that sense of a little bit of a, a calm almost but it's it's definitely
0: not a closure yeah and, and and you hear that so often in these in these cases and i think people say it mm-hmm. or, or refer to it without really thinking about it closure I, the way i see it is of course i have never had the experience like like you or dave or greta or mm-hmm. many other people in these kind of tragic stories have but for me closure is like when I find my car keys yeah. you know it's, yeah. the hell it's, are they? I knew I had them yeah but but this it's um yeah and, and anytime I've ever spoke to the families of a missing person or something it, and that that's always a thing where they, they say you know that fairy tale of closure does, mm-hmm. doesn't exist but um I, I'm the way you put it made a lot of sense and i think uh i asked that mainly just to make it clear for people that holly being found doesn't equal her parents being like okay it's all done
1: exactly yeah mm-hmm. and and again I, I mean maybe i'm wrong maybe if we had more details about the moments leading up to her passing that might be different mm-hmm. um ambiguous grief itself is one of the worst things a human can go through so adding just the, the concept of ambiguous grief to actually finding the person and having the circumstances continue to be ambiguous mm. is just, it gnaws at your soul.
0: Holly being found didn't answer all of the questions. I've just been following the news. I know there's been, I, I believe, two autopsies at this point and which is unusual to have two so can can you tell one would be normal right like uh, i'm thinking that like one isn't something you would have to fight for it's just done to figure out how someone passed away Mm
1: -hmm.
0: why did holly have two
1: so um i will assume that you've got a bit of a um noticed at the beginning of our conversation it Mm -hmm. it's um Quite difficult and um, graphic. So I'll, I'll try my best to, to pair it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what it came down to was communication. So Holly was found in the harbor in Hamilton, mm-hmm. um, less than two miles from where she was last seen. And uh, she was found by, by dock workers uh, they called police, they called fire, they they retrieved her. Uh, and then she was taken for her the autopsy in Toronto. And at that point, what happens in Ontario is there's two kind of groups of people. You've got uh, the coroner's office and you've got the pathology team. So the coroner is an MDE, is a doctor, and they are kind of like a, a, a mix between a detective And a doctor. So, their job is to complete the who, what, when, where, why, how. Their job is to give you all the details and create the narrative about what happened to your person based on facts that they find. And then the pathology team is to um, assess the body as a whole or the remains as a whole. So, she was taken to uh, Toronto they were unable to identify her. So we had to obtain her dental records and send those in. And then we were um, able to inform the family because it was a positive identification. So at that point, the coroner, uh, so the detective version uh, called and had a chat with me and said, um, you know, unfortunately, Holly's legs were not with her when she was found. So the way she phrased it to me was her legs were not with her. Uh, And then Dave had a conversation with her and I, I was in the vehicle at the time. So I, I didn't, I was not privy to the conversation in person, but she used different terminology and she said her lower legs were not with her at the time that she was found. So with her disappearance being a little mysterious and out of character and and um, with not a lot of information, one of the trains of thought about her her demise was that she was killed. Mm-hmm. And if you were to weigh somebody down and put them in the water, there are points in the body that you are going to that are going to wear um gosh i feel like i'm giving you far too much uh graphic details so stop me if it's too much
0: no i i'm i'm following you i understand okay
1: so there's certain areas of the body that will disarticulate or disintegrate first mm-hmm. so if an if an individual is weighed down your knees or your ankles are going to um potentially Uh, leave first Mm -hmm. so when she said to dave that the her lower legs were not found the immediate thought went to foul play Mm -hmm. that she had been um weighed down in the water so this makes sense now hearing it uh at the time uh, again, I was not privy to that phone call until about a week later, uh, Dave and I were chatting and I said to him, I'm like, listen, man, why do you keep going on about the lower legs? I don't understand this. Like, what is up with you? Why are you so, so hell bent on this? And he goes, well, she said lower legs. I'm like, no, she didn't. She told me the legs. So we got into this linguistic um, catch where for me, when somebody says legs, I'm not thinking way down because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's a different area that was, um, uh, separated. Mm -hmm. Whereas for him, it was that way down idea. So this made sense to us. So I, I managed to find the email for the chief pathologist for Ontario, (laughs) because this is who I am as a human. And I sent him an email at like 11 o'clock at night, Calgary time. So 1 a.m. their time. And I'm like, hi, how are you? This is who I am. This is what I need. Can you help me please? And um, Dr. Plannon emailed back immediately, immediately within five minutes. And he said, yes, I know who you are. Yes, I know the story. Uh, you do know that my staff did the, the, autopsy. Um, but if you're comfortable with it, yes, I can take a look uh, for you. Just let me know. So I emailed him back and I said, that would be amazing. So he arranged transportation. They went and picked uh, Holly's remains up from the funeral home the next morning, took her into the second autopsy. He did it wow. himself. So for the family and the search party, it was a matter of linguistics that, that triggered this because those are two very different findings in Yeah, thinking about it uh, from a, a logical standpoint. So Dr. Planin, very graciously, uh, I, I owe him huge because this is not something that's done ever mm-hmm. uh, in Ontario. He completed it. And then we had to wait for the toxicology reports and uh, the initial autopsy and everything to be completed before we could review it all. So that was all done. Uh, about a month and a bit ago, mm-hmm. and we had an opportunity to review it and and see what happens. But generally, you don't do not do to It's just not something that happens. The province doesn't have those types of resources. But
0: yeah, I, I would have thought there would have been a way for him, even just to like get the report and get clarification. But maybe since it was coming mm-hmm. from the family and Holly's name is out there, maybe he's like, I'm gonna handled it uh, I, Maybe. I guess we'd be guessing why he decided to do it but either way it's a good thing
1: i'm i am i am i am forever in his debt him and his staff uh liz at uh at his office like they are just remarkable humans to if you have to be dealing with this, they are just Mm -hmm. absolutely remarkable. And I say this and I do truly hope that some of them are, do listen to uh, your podcasts and your videos, because I think that, um, coroners and pathologists, they really, they deal with the worst times for family. And I don't think that they get as much credit as they deserve. So, uh, Thank you. If you are a coroner, a pathologist, if you're in any version of that realm, please know that you might not hear it a lot, but we, families, friends, proxies, search parties, we all think you're amazing. Mm -hmm. So,
0: Um, so the second autopsy is done. Do do we have? I'm I'm not trying to get to pry on what was found, Mm -hmm. but is there any answers in the in the results? No.
1: No, it unfortunately, so because this was such an extreme situation, and the uh, Dr. Polanin agreed to do the second result, uh, second autopsy, we asked them to keep it separate. So Dr. Polanin did not actually see the results of the first one. And the first pathologist did not see the results of Dr. Polanin's. Interesting. Um, and we asked for it to be kept that way, just to be safe. Again, because of this um, discrepancy in, in verbiage. We wanted to make sure that everything was clear and concise and there was no bias. Uh, and fortunately both results came back nearly identical. Um, both pathologists had the same findings. Uh, coroner had similar findings. It was, there wasn't really anything that made us go like, wait a minute, hold up, there's, mm-hmm. there's a problem here. So um, the big things that we found, uh, we do not know when she passed. We do not know how she passed. We do not know why she passed. So we have, none of the big ones are answered. Um, unfortunately, the state that she was in did not um, help in any way for us to find out, any of those details. So uh, they also ran toxicology reports a number of times to be sure. She had no illegal medication, no illegal drugs, no prescription drugs, no marijuana, no mushrooms, no nothing.
0: Wow. She had
1: absolutely nothing in her system. There was um, a little bit of conversation online about was she using drugs? Was she drinking? Things like this, and uh, mm-hmm. the toxicology uh, confirmed that she had absolutely nothing in her system.
0: Yeah, because I, I remember the whole discussion about the shady hotel where mm-hmm. drug dealing was happening, and I have mm-hmm. seen a lot of people online speculating that you know she was involved in this. So, yeah. it, so it, I guess it doesn't answer all the questions, but it may give some clarification. Um, but now we're like that. Certainly, there was no signs of like foul play, because that would have been a big discussion. All they they can't tell is exactly when, how we just know it happened, and there wasn't you know drugs involved. That still leaves a lot of questions though. Like, it, is there any theories as to how she ended up in in the water? Like, I'm assuming, and I'm not gonna get you to talk on on the. It, the minutiae of it, but I'm assuming there's no signs that she was weighed down. There was no foul play. How would she end up in the water? Do we have any idea?
1: So we can't fully rule out foul play or accidental death. Mm-hmm. Um, police and coroner both agree that suicide uh, does not fit with what was found, but there's no way to rule out an accident or foul play. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on on uh, the state she was in when she was found, so Holly Holly was a beginner practitioner of a breathing technique called Wim Hof, mm-hmm. and she had just started. She um, so Holly is Holly was very much a let's go for a swim. Let's go for a bike ride. Let's go for a run. Let's get out and like clear our brain and, and, um, just get a bit of clarity if she was like struggling with work or home or friends or family. Um, like it was not uncommon to have her go for like an eight hour bike ride and just listen to some music and cruise. So she had picked up, uh, this concept of Wim Hof breathing, um, like meditation I guess. Uh recently and she had started practicing it. So one of the theories that Dave mentioned in his statement um to the public is that it could potentially have been that she was trying to calm herself down. So she left her home at 4:18 p.m. on the 11th not dressed for the weather takes off, puts a a garbage bag on her body. It was pouring rain, carries down the road. We end up seeing her with um, a garbage bag over her back. Uh, We see her a few times. She does like a figure eight and then drops the bag. And then the last moment that we see her, um, she's only got the bag on her body. And the direction that she's heading was very close to where she was found. Mm -hmm. So one of the theories is that she had made her way to the bayfront and decided to do this ice water dunk Mm -hmm. um, and practice her her breathing to kind of calm her head and and calm her down. Um, It would fit. That uh, as, as again, there's been a few people online that are like, Oh, who would do that in January in Ontario? It is so cold and they're not wrong. It's, it's absolutely freezing, but that's kind of the point of, of, Wim Hof.
0: Yeah, I, I take karate lessons, and I'm in a karate club, and a lot of the people in there are into the Wim Hof breathing. So when I saw it written about, it, I was like, weird. I know about that. And the people that I do karate with, they they do the cold water therapy breathing yeah. stuff. So when I read that, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of get that. You know, and you know. and we do know she was like she was agitated, and she had a lot going on. Yes. So. Like my my first, when I saw like the different videos and photos of her walking, a part of me thought like she's just you know clearing her head, getting away. So like that, mm-hmm. I could see that theory fitting. But what stood out to me even is in the public statement that I believe Dave and Greta made, where they mm-hmm. present this theory, they they then follow it up with, or she could have been abducted. Could be aliens. aliens. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a pretty straight message to. You don't see a, a statement like that in many yeah. family statements after the after like yes. a tragic death, but I guess like you said earlier, that's uh, I suppose maybe that's the way they are.
1: Yeah, you know, the reality with it is that we don't know. Like mm-hmm. we can assume that she was doing this Wim Hof breathing and she blacked out because of the cold and 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 drowned. That's possible. Um, her succumbing to foul play and being put in the water, also possible. Um, an accident, slipping on the the deck of the um, the bayfront, possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so Dave's comment about it could have been aliens is legitimately that we just we don't know. We have as much proof of this as we have of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, the, the interviews, um, that we've done, we did all from like through January through September. Um, we make, we made a very conscious effort to keep things as light as we can Mm -hmm. because this is just heavy. The -hmm. whole thing was heavy. And we've, we really have not given the public a ton of information about what we did. We've, we've kind of chosen little tidbits here and there, but, we went through some heavy things, like we we had three ransom demands, mm-hmm. where we had police physically in my home, listening to me negotiate with some some dude that claimed he had Holly. Like, there's a lot that the public doesn't know. So when you hear when you heard us making jokes or laughing or or making silly comments, it's it's because we have to lighten it. We you can't. You can't live in that that negativity twenty four seven. So mm. that's a hundred percent, Dave. Being like, I don't know, yeah. couldn't tell you. It's one I think or the other.
0: anyone who has a an opinion on how a family should act in a case like this, if you know, if you haven't been there, you have no idea. Um, I can't even imagine. But the last, but I would never uh, judge anything he says or does or how he says or does it. It's Different people have different ways of dealing with things. And and I, I trying to put myself in that situation to some extent. I'm like a I consider myself a joker. I'm always sarcastic. Yeah. Even in a dark situation, I can't turn it off. So what? I would be the one I always say, like if something bad happened and they interviewed me, I'd blow it because I'm completely just, I can't turn that <laughs> off. And and I almost say like my sarcasm, it's almost like a character flaw my my yes. close friends get it they know i'm joking but people who don't know me well like mike what's wrong with Did that you guy? see that yeah. <laughs> yeah um but i i get when i read yeah. his that or she was abducted by aliens i i thought like ooh, like that's that's not gonna land well with some people but yes. i get what where he's coming from yeah yeah
1: um, it's like we would joke again like this was 24 7 for right. for nine months And we would joke that we were in a Netflix series Mm -hmm. that, uh, this is season two, episode three, what's going to happen? Where are we at? Who's doing this? Who's doing what? And I, Dave and I were in a neighboring town one day and he was pulling, I was in the passenger seat and he was driving and he went to go pull out of a parking lot and a, a freight truck, uh, was coming at us and he didn't see it and he slammed the brakes on like we we came close and uh he kind of takes a breath and he looks at me and goes well that's the end of season nine do we live or do we die and if we die who's going to find holly is it going to be the reporter from chch or the reporter from cbc like we need to really think about season 10 wow. so like we Again, it it might come off callous or uncaring or, or that we just were out of our minds. But the reality is you just, you cannot spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week thinking about how many ways a person might have passed away.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I get that. One thing I want to talk about is um, Holly's found the autopsy results give some information, when mm-hmm. we spoke before, specifically when I spoke to Dave, I, I wouldn't say suspicions, but there was definitely some kind of bad relationships formed between mm-hmm. Holly's old roommates at the time and the people searching for Holly. Mm-hmm. Has that gotten in the way of anything since, or I guess, or are they now, is that kind of out of the picture now that we know where she is? <sighs>
1: We, so I, I will preface this by saying I have absolutely nothing to back this comment up. This is just my brain and the way it works. But uh, I do believe that something happened in that house moments before she walked out the door. Um, and the reason I say that is because at 4.11 or so, 4.15, 4.14, She went from her room down the stairs to this main area. She had a music stand with her and she was trying to break down the door to the basement. And it was minutes after that, that she took off. Her roommates were home. At least two of them were home at the time because they called 911 uh, three minutes after she walked out the door. So they didn't call while she was there. Mm -hmm. They called after she had left. And personally, I believe that there was a confrontation. I believe somebody like if I, I I put myself in their shoes, if I'm home having lunch or dinner and somebody's beating down a door, I'm gonna come down the stairs and be like, yo, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Calm yourself down, go for a walk. You are being horrible. Like, what are you doing? You're you're acting ridiculous. I would do that. That type of comment would be enough. Like Holly did not do confrontation. It's just not her thing. That would be enough for Holly to be like, you know, Sc- screw you. I am going for a walk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She would have easily put the music stand down and take it off to calm herself down. Because again, that's what she does. We've not been able to confirm that, but I would guarantee that there was some sort of conversation that led to her walking out. And I feel like there might be a bit of guilt there, which is what caused a bit of the tension um, or animosity that, that seemed to build um, because none of that was provided to, to us. So
0: as a, as an outsider, that's surprising that you don't, that, that, that there's uncertainty about that. Presumably investigators or police would have been involved and maybe got more than family. I don't know. Mm-hmm
1: they um the landlord told the roommates to not talk to the police so
0: okay well I'll let people listening and watching decide what they think of that but that like that strikes me as very yeah. odd and unusual um but we're not going to figure that out tonight no. it's a it's one of the many mysteries that that remain in Holly's story what I do want to ask about aside from from discussing that is despite holly being found i, I mentioned this earlier there's she, she still is brought up a lot her story is still well known discussed the um, holly clark search facebook group is still active yeah. the focus now isn't on finding her what what is the focus of dave and you like what what is it that you're working towards now uh
1: so the facebook group in particular so that amassed over 8,000 people or Mm so. Um, And the goal with it, once Holly was found, and we we had this goal from when we first set it up, if Holly was found alive, then that would give her the forum to be able to speak about what happened if she decided to. Mm. And if she wasn't, then the plan was actually to just shut it down and call it a day. But over the course of the search, And after she had been found, we realized that that group could actually be used for some good. So on top of what they have already already done. So our plan in the next month or two is to actually turn it into a missing persons uh, group for Hamilton. Um, We had one individual in, I think it was December, uh, approached us and said, can you help me? My mom is missing. Can you please put this information out there, so we did, and within five hours she was found Wow so Hamilton, because that's the majority of where the the individuals are in that group, mm-hmm. they really really came together as a community, and I think it would be we'd be remiss to not encourage them to continue to use their their powers for good and yeah. the hive mind, yeah, so to
0: speak but that's that's a very nice way to to use a a platform like that especially Mm -hmm. seeing as so many of them are from hamilton and are advocates for these obviously for this kind of situation but yeah that's nice and holly in life she Mm -hmm. used music to express herself um in death it seems like her music is still getting out there i've seen a lot of people sharing her music but there's also been like a lot of activity in that. What, what has gone on with her music and who's behind it? Was there not an album released not long ago?
1: Yeah, so we, um, I mean, in August, we were starting to become desperate,
0: quite mm. frankly,
1: to find her. And one of the things that came up in conversation about what else could we do? I mean, we had to be quite ingenious with how we did the search because COVID, right? Like we couldn't physically be on the ground all the time and we're in Calgary, not Hamilton and, and, and. So one of the vehicles that we chose to use was her album. So prior to her passing, she was working on a new album. She would recorded some songs with her band. Uh, she had started the album art as well. So she had um, like seven out of eight pages uh, out of nine pages done. Uh, so Dave was like, you know, what? let's release it let's create this album for her and release it. So it took us a little bit, but we took all of her album art. We created a a, um, album cover based off a piece of art in Dave and Greta's kitchen. And then we had another uh, artist complete the back and it was a a one line uh, guitar with one of her lyrics around it. Uh, And then we took her art and we added her lyrics in there and we, we created this album in hopes that if we get it played on the radio, it might spark people to be like, "Oh wait, who's this? Oh, wow. should I? Maybe I'm going to keep my eyes open for this girl in Vancouver or Calgary or Edmonton or whatever." So, initially, that's what was planned, uh, and we had it all ready to go, and it was set to be released September. I think it was thirteenth, and she was found then- September eighth. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was already done. We had the albums out and made and printed and good to go. So we simply carried on with it. And then when we did the vigil in Hamilton, we gave uh, CDs to people that had been there throughout uh, the search and that had played a fairly significant part. And uh, it has made its way onto a few charts. A few of her songs have made its way onto um playlists around Hamilton and Calgary and uh somebody played her music the other weekend on CBC radio and so yeah it's still it's still out there there's a website for it there's YouTube channels for it um but yeah the initial plan was to use it as a vehicle to to get people interested if they weren't already
0: and her music has gone outside of Canada as well I have um I got what? an not long ago. I got an email from a listener who has a band named Disappear Forever. He okay. sent me a demo of a cover song of one of her songs. I'll, oh I'll really? I'll send it to you. Yeah, it was oh. her, it was really cool because I be used amazing. I used I can't recall the title of it, but in the end of one of my episodes about Holly, it plays a portion mm-hmm. of her song, and he heard it and like loved it and made a version of it. I'll share it it with you after this. Um, That would be
1: great. Yeah. Like Dave has been, we've had a few people reach out through the group and then uh, through friends of friends. And there's been a few people that have asked to do covers of it. And like, we could not be more honored. Like Mm -hmm. absolutely just hit us up. We will absolutely make that happen. So yeah, please send it
0: will do and for people who who are listening now who want to learn more about holly hear her music or get involved in any kind of advocacy that you're supporting how do they find you and more about holly
1: uh well there's two ways that you can do it fairly easily so one is through facebook there's a facebook Facebook group called, um, Holly Clark search. Uh, you will find me as the admin on there. I look way better in that photo than I do on this YouTube video today. I <laughs> warn you, uh, but you'll find me there. Uh, the name is L McPherson E L L E for the first name. My DMS are open. So if you do need to have a chat, I'm happy to respond to any questions you have.
0: That is brave. Um,
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, we, I think, um, throughout the search, Last time I checked, it was like 7,000 messages in my inbox. It was but worth it. Like every person got followed up on and good to go. So I'm happy if you are a uh, family of a missing person, if you are somebody doing podcasts, YouTube videos, documentaries, whatever it is, if you need to talk or you want to talk message me. I'm happy to do it. Uh, alternatively, if you want to know a little bit more about her music, uh, there's a website, Holly Clark, deep bite, D E E P B I G H T.com. Uh, and Dave has access to it. So, uh, (laughs) you will find that he will post random little things on there and little tidbits. So, uh, if you wanted to keep up with that, you'll, you'll find his writing in there along with the lyrics and, um, Uh, art for the album so
0: yeah that's fantastic well we'll we'll wrap it up with that so thank you so much for again talking about a difficult topic but giving but in doing so giving people a view of a story that they certainly would not normally get and it's 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 hard and and it's tragic but it's it's the story I believe of a unique person who under whatever mysterious reasons or whatever happened ended up meeting her end. but we get to see a family live through that and get a view of that. people like you, employers, friends who rally behind them in this in the end result is this new kind of community that's formed and you're already talking about using the platform to help other people in in the Hamilton area it's it's a really odd or really unique experience to get to see the whole thing play out and come kind of full circle like this Um, but anyway for that I I thank you for for sharing this with us
1: no thank you thank you for having me on again I really appreciate it I know uh, I know this must be again tough on you as a a host you're again you're dealing with uh, people in some of the worst times of their lives so Make sure you look after yourself as well, and thank you for doing all that you're doing for, for those of, of the deceased and the missing that are, are out there.
0: I want to thank you for joining Elle and I in our discussions surrounding the life, the disappearance, and the death of Holly Ellsworth-Clark. But before we part, I have some messages and some thanks. First of all, my sincere and deepest condolences to the family and friends of Holly Clark. Also, I want to give another thank you to Elle McPherson for coming on here and sharing Holly's story and giving us a behind-the-scenes look at the search for Holly. As well, a big shout-out to Monty Data for contributing the music in this episode. It's a piece called Noir Tokyo. And lastly, I'm going to give a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, Nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please consider subscribing to the premium feed. It'll give you more of the show than what's available here on the free feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee subscribe to the premium feed at patreon.com slash nighttime And with that said, let me thank the newest supporters of the show. Leah and Donna, thank you both for your generous support. If anyone listening has any story ideas or want to give feedback on the show, find me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'm often live on the nighttime podcast YouTube channel. So that's it. Until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and take a moment and check out Holly Clark's music. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright, Jordan Bonaparte.